0: Welcome to Talking Walking, hosted by Andrew Stuck from Rethinking Cities and the Museum of Walking. Talking Walking brings you interviews with people from the world of walking, artists, activists, professionals, and those of us who have a passion for just taking a walk. It's a sunny summer's day, and I'm on the Waterlink Way, a green route for cyclists and pedestrians that follows the valley of the rivers Ravensbourne, Pool, and Quaggy, flowing south to north through the London borough of Lewisham. I'm in the company of Emma Jackson, an urban sociologist at Goldsmiths University of London and the director of the Centre for Urban and Community Research, as she tells me about how she uses walking not only in her research but in teaching her students. We talk about the research centre, and how she has self-studied there, as well as what urban sociologists do in general, and specifically when the pandemic restricted their explorations. Emma is keen to impress on how every walk is different, even if you're following a familiar route, as the Waterlink Way is to both of us. As if to endorse what she's saying, something unusual does occur. A little bit about where we're walking we're walking on something called the waterlink way
1: yeah we're walking along the waterlink way along the side of the river ravensbourne it's a beautiful day the sun's shining it's used by lots of different people so we've already seen dog walkers cyclists just went by i've seen someone stopping to have their lunch so yeah it's very well used public space
0: uh, and you live locally to this
1: I do, I do. I've got very interested in this stretch, partly because I moved to uh, just five minutes away from it and I'm always walking on it, cycling on it.
0: How do, how do you describe the work you do? Are you, a, are you an ethnographer and you're director of something that's called the Centre for Urban and Cultural Research?
1: Community Research, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh dear, a, I've, I've got that wrong. The wrong C. But yeah, I'm a sociologist, I'm an ethnographer... I'm an urban sociologist to be specific, so all of my work is on cities, um, specifically London actually, looking back over the work that I've done.
0: What about the centre? What's their breakthrough research?
1: The centre was established 30 years ago with money from the Deptford City Challenge, which was part of the single regeneration budget, so central government money basically. Some of the earliest work the centre did was evaluating those kinds of projects. But there's been a huge body of work built up over those 30 years. A lot of work around histories of migration, race and racism, community and belonging in the city. And a really important strand of work in the centre is walking.
0: Okay, so why? I think... (laughs) Why walking? I
1: don't know. I think going back, I'm thinking about past directors. And, you know, because I came up through the centre... As a student, and we were always encouraged to just get out and about and walk in the city. I think there are various strands in urban sociology that thought, you know, you should do research. Robert Park, the urban sociologist, quoted about saying, you know, go out and get the seat of your pants dirty in real research, you know. And so I think there's this idea of being in the city, being on the ground, as well as looking at more abstract representations of the city through statistics. So going out, learning from the city by being in it and participating in it i think is key to the centre's ethos
0: okay so we're we're walking along beside this river we're on the water link way what are you absorbing that i'm not absorbing which makes you an academic researcher and I'm not?
1: <laughs> well you might be thinking about some of these things too but you can hear all of the transport noise in the background so when we think you know what enables this to be here um, as I understand it, a lot of the railways in this part of London were built along the side of this this river. Um, and then the river starts to cause problems when people come and live here and then people want to close in the river. We can hear the planes overhead, so we can think about how this place, you know, links together through these kinds of flight paths. But also what really interests me is the different modes of use of being in this space. So we're just walking past a maintenance truck for the people who maintain and look after the river. So this space is only the way it is because it's maintained and looked after by the people who are contracted by the council to do it. But also there's a whole range of river groups who get together and pick up litter and get in the river. And they have this intimate knowledge of the river and its ecology, something that I don't have at all. So groups like Friends of the River Pool the Quaggy Waterways Action Group, you know, these are people with real hands-on knowledge of this, and they look after this space, so they also feed into making the space as it is. But then there are also people who are feeding into making the space what it is by simply being, so we walk past some school kids sat on a the bench, there's a woman walking a dog, and being in the space, they're making it what it is, so it would have a very different feel.
0: We've so far avoided four or five cyclists who were intent on going faster than they should have been
1: (laughs) well that's an important point because there are always as well i'm making it sound really harmonious but i'm sure there are tensions between all of these groups and how they think this space should be you know the needs of the cyclist you know the cyclist probably wishes this was a smoother path than it is you know the dog walkers are probably very pleased that it's not
0: So I'm going to sort of kind of challenge you because you're you're about to start a project on this river. But also I'm going to ask you, what's the purpose of all this? I'm really
1: interested in how all of these things layer up to make the spaces of the river. So as well as all of the things that we can see and observe, there are other things that we can't see and observe right now. So I'm interested in, this is a really fast changing area of London. There's a lot of construction, a lot of development, people moving in all the time. So I'm interested also in how does the river feed into these decisions about place, you know. So how does it impact on relations of power in the city? Which sounds really abstract, but basic things like, does the river become part of marketing luxury flats by the river, even though it's a a very small river? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. How is the idea of South East London, which is... This corner of South East London, Catford, Lewisham, there are huge projects underway. You know, how do the rivers feed into these kinds of decisions and about space?
0: Well, that's what <laughs> you're interested in. Is there a purpose for your research? Yeah, of well, course. pretty mean,
1: isn't it? I think it's important to understand that so we can learn from these spaces. As I said, I think, my hunch, I haven't done the research yet, my hunch is that there are many wonderful things about this stretch. And if we can learn about what works and what's wonderful, then that can provide useful lessons for elsewhere. Or if there are things that aren't working, if there are reasons why people feel they can't access this space, that it's not for them, that it belongs to someone else, or that it's not safe in certain ways, then that's something that we need to talk about as well. So I do hope, as well as there being an intellectual purpose for the project, I think there is also a useful...
0: And my listeners are going to go... Gosh, this woman's getting paid to wander around up and down her local bit of green space, absorbing in what's going on. It's
1: part of my job. I wish that I got to do that all day long. <laughs> That's just one of the many, many things I have to
0: do. Well, what did you do during Covid? And obviously, being a walking researcher then, what did you get up to during the, uh, the pandemic? Because you, you were constrained
1: I actually lived a bit further away at that point so I didn't come here that much but like everybody else I did my daily walks. I have an allotment that's actually further along this stretch and so you were allowed to go to your allotment so many of my walks were to the allotment and back. I had a small baby at the time and in a way the kind of walking that I was doing with her as a baby it was kind of good preparation for Covid walking because there was a lot of Circles of the park with the baby to get the baby to sleep, you know, to to not be lonely in the house. And then that just segued into the COVID walk around the park or the COVID walk to the allotment. So for me, I mean, it was still a huge rupture. I'm someone who likes to be out in the world, but perhaps that was a good walking preparation.
0: But the the centre itself uh, uh, undertook something. Um...
1: Oh, we did, yes. We did a workshop called writing walking because i talked a little bit earlier about the tradition of walking in the center and i think it really defines the work we walk together a lot as well we do walks in groups whereas i think a lot of walking work relies on the idea of the lone researcher you know going off around the industrial estates of the city or something like that whereas we do a lot of work together walking and thinking together and we couldn't do that so much during the pandemic so we were thinking a bit about walking and what we could do and something that I'd been thinking about was how we do a lot of walking in the centre, we do a lot of writing up the walks but we never talk about how we get from the walk to the writing so we thought we could do something quite interesting and combine walking and writing about walking. the same time so what we did was we did a workshop that was online but we had three speakers who use walking in their work who posed some questions to the audience and then everybody went out and did a walk for a couple of hours Uh, wherever they were, so we had somebody in a forest outside of Gothenburg, we had somebody in Mumbai, we had quite a lot of people in south-east London because of the location of goldsmiths, we had someone in a village in Worcestershire, and on and on, you know, so we all went out, did our walks thinking with these questions, came back, and then Nirmal Pua, my colleague from the centre, gave us some writing prompts, and we all wrote in real time together, People's reaction was so positive. You know, everyone loved the workshop. And the pieces that people were sharing in the chat of the Zoom call, they were so good that we decided to put them together in a publication so anyone who wanted to could submit their work. And it took me a long time to get it together with one thing and another. But this year, we finally put it out as a little edited booklet with all of the work in it.
0: And this was about the process of how you write about a walk.
1: The discussion before we did the walk was about walking sociologically and what that means and so we had different examples of how people were doing that so one of the speakers was Caroline Knowles whose book Serious Money came out very recently about walking the London of the super rich so she challenged us to think about how money shapes the landscapes that we walk through. So that's just one example. But then the work that we produced wasn't writing about walking. It was writing.
0: Okay. Do you use walking also in teaching as well?
1: I do, yeah. There's such a close relationship between research and teaching for me. So I teach a course called London. It's an undergraduate course. That's a Um,
0: blindingly big subject.
1: Just a bit. And it's taught through a series of themed Walk so rather than do a lecture in a classroom, I go out with the students. Poor things in all weather, and we've really had all weather this year. And every walk
0: has a theme. So give us an example of a themed walk.
1: Um, so we do a walk about infrastructure and mobilities in King's Cross, where we talk about the coming of the railways in the 19th century, but then again the Eurostar, the advent of the Eurostar in King's Cross, how that fed into the reshaping of the area and the Regeneration Project, as an example. We also go to Peckham and talk about the relationship between the global and the local, Um, looking at the work of the geographer Doreen Massey. There's usually a key text, a key theoretical text, that we think with, and then something based on the location. And then we walk around for a couple of hours, and then I give the students an exercise, and then we come back and talk about it. But what I really like about that, well, there's a couple of things, but one is... Their assessment is they have to write their own walk. They get to do something a little bit more creative than the standard essay that they do for most of their courses. And also, I just like it because, as you well know and your listeners know, when you go out for a walk, you have a different kind of conversation. It has the potential to disrupt some of those classroom dynamics. And also what I love about it is you just never know what's going to happen. Some of these walks I've been doing maybe for... 13 years on and off but it's never the same walk because somebody comes and talks to you or the weather's different or a new building's gone up you know there's always something and so the changing environment prompts the questions and discussions and gives rise to new thoughts and then it feeds into your research which is what I mean about this close relationship between the two.
0: He was quite menacing wasn't he? That chap with his two dogs, at least they were leashed.
1: I was a bit scared of the dogs. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh...
0: <laughs> yeah but I think this is something that um, you know, I've always felt a bit about the Waterlink Way. Is that there are sections of it which are very underused, if that be the right word. So you do encounter these people with dogs that look like that. And he That's didn't, true. not he didn't look entirely friendly, did he?
1: He didn't look entirely friendly, but do you know, nothing happened. His dogs were on the lead. He was fine. That might just be, you know, his face. So (laughs) I think it's a lot about how we perceive people. But there is, you know, I think this is purely anecdotal, although I have heard this said by someone um, from one of the rivers groups, is that the use of this path also changed during the pandemic. And again, anecdotally, I have noticed that over the years I've lived in this area of London, that it does seem to be more well used in the daytime now than maybe it was when I first knew it you know if you come down here on a Sunday morning there are so many people running
0: and walking and yeah I mean we came across a, a sign which all it said was run I know, I, know well, I, I don't think I've ever come across a sign that just said and it was a tiny little sign wasn't it the sign itself it wasn't there the were other words crossed out had yeah. run
1: it's probably some art isn't it you do get public art on, on this stretch, don't you, with the Lewis and Stag and, yeah, other various DIY uh,
0: interventions. <laughs> okay, so you said that you yourself came through the um, C-U-C-R yeah. uh, yourself as a student. So what drew you to that in the first place and, and, and what did you do? I mean, you are the director of the C-U-C-R, so you're, am, yeah. you're the big wig. So, yeah. so, you know, what was the kind of progression that got you there?
1: I started off at the centre, I was drawn into the centre through the courses that were offered through the centre when I was a master's student, so, you know, I did courses, it was with Michael Keith, who was the centre director at the time, who's a brilliant teacher, among other things, and I remember, you know, being in these lectures on uh, Walter Benjamin in the city, or, you know, W.E.B. Du Bois's work, and... It just really sparked something in me, and the urban courses were my favourite courses. And then I did a PhD, which was about young homeless people and their experiences of the city, which was based in a day centre in Somers Town. It was through doing that PhD, and I was involved in various centre activities, you know, little side projects involving doing bits of research for people and, and writing. And I just got really drawn into it. And what I think is distinctive and great is that it has this firm, it has one, you know, part of the centre is about creative methods and doing weird and wonderful things and trying out new experimental ways of doing research. And then another, it has its feet firmly in the area that we're in. So we do research, we try and do research that's also useful for the local area, whether that be for Phoenix housing at the moment, we've got a project with the 999 Club, the Homeless Centre in Deptford. So we do uh, try and, you know, contribute to our local community through what we do. I think that's really important.
0: Got a vehicle coming from behind now. That's a weird thing. Did you see him?
1: No, that is what he he must be someone doing.
0: He's wearing headphones as well as uh, driving a car. It's a bit bizarre. Okay. Big big socking grey headphones. I did
1: notice that the gate was open at the so at the end of the park. He's
0: about to come round. He's got his walkie talkie. Look at them, they've all got kit. It's a bit worried. Is it
1: the police? Is this a very exciting day on the Hotel Way? It is the police. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a that's a heavily equipped police car, isn't I've it? I've never
1: seen a I should say for, you know, the listeners, this is a fully pedestrianised area, so it's quite strange to see a heavily equipped police car on here.
0: Yes, I mean, to me what was rather strange was that they were sort of kind of walkie-talkie and they've got uh, laptops and, uh, and there were four of them in the car and one of them was driving with a headphone. We could only see the badge on the check in the passenger seat. So I know. Had his, screen, his uh, window down, otherwise we wouldn't have known it was the police. They're probably listening to what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> One of them. But the other thing is that I always find that this is the... Um, yeah. This, this is, to me, a disappointment, is that we didn't encounter them on foot, that they weren't on foot. You know, if you're walking along here and there was a policeman came along, a bobby, on foot, or on a bicycle, you know, I would actually feel more reassured than seeing these four guys super teched up in a dark screened unidentified mm. police car
1: yeah i don't Weird, think i feel particularly safe either way really with the, the met these days but that was certainly very strange to see and i've never seen a
0: police vehicle there you are. <laughs> you you said you can do lots of walks and each one is different because something will happen Although, it's true it's, so, true. So, so it's true it's okay, true okay so i'm going to ask you, can you recommend a couple of walks for my listeners One of them might be this section of the Waterlink Way.
1: I think this section of the Waterlink Way is really interesting.
0: And, of course, they might bump into you while you're researching. They they might
1: bump into me, (laughs) researching, talking to people about the river. I think the stretch from Catford to Ladywell is lovely and it's very well known. This stretch, as we have covered in this walk, you see all kinds of interesting things. But there are new things that have happened down here. There's a pond that has just been opened you can see it in all its glory but also if you follow the path down past where we came and follow the cycle path you end up going through this industrial estate where you get on a Sunday you've got churches, you've got heavy industry, you've got football matches, not as beautiful as the river but quite interesting in terms of thinking about the edges of London and what kind of things coexist together
0: So that's one walk, and what about a a second walk? Uh, You're not recommending any of your themed walks.
1: Well, I might recommend a themed walk. I really like walking in Peckham. I think it's a wonderful, interesting place. And so the walk I tend to do in Peckham is very short, but it's quite wiggly. (laughs) So starting at Peckham Library, going up Rye Lane, but weaving in and out of some of the arcades, the spaces that have been opened up in the last... 15 years, like the car park and the bussy building and um, I think again it's, it's a place where it's very interesting to example how the city's been remade on the one hand through the constant incoming, you know, migrate waves of migration that remake it and made it such an important hub for Nigeria and London but then also these processes of development and gentrification that you see and you see these things unfolding
0: on top of each other on that street. You've been listening to Talking Walking, brought to you by Rethinking Cities and the Museum of Walking. In this episode, you've heard from Emma Jackson. If you have any views on this interview or any walking issues, we'd love to hear from you. Just follow the links on the Talking Walking website. We look forward to having you along for future episodes of Talking Walking. Written Recorded and produced by Andrew Stuck of Rethinking City Limited, our artwork is designed by Ian Martin of ArdV Graphics, and the music is composed by Simon Sanders of Easy Tronic.